When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to the Three Inning Save podcast. We are part of the Fans First Sports Network. I'm your host, Eric Steven. We have a Dodgers Rewind today, our first on our new uh, platform, uh, the Three Inning Save podcast. And with me today to talk about this old former Dodgers player is Jacob Burtz. Jacob, hello. Hello. How are you? Pretty good. Um, tell me what you know about Nate Oliver, other than he's the subject of today's Dodgers Rewind. I know that he's the subject of the trivia question you're about to ask me. Yeah, that that's a fair that's a fair thing. Um, he's somewhat relevant um, to, uh, well, not not fully. I'll explain why after after the trivia. But this year, uh, 2023, is the 60th anniversary of the Dodgers uh, championship team uh, in 1963. That's the one that swept the Yankees in the World Series, which was would have been unheard of, uh, you know, at the time. Uh, over at True Blue LA, all season long, I am going to review that 1963 season week by week, yeah, even if it kills me. Uh, I will say I got a good head start on this in the offseason, so I'm not I'm not totally committing to a um, uh, a very painful uh, process, but it should be a fun series. I'm looking forward to it. Nate Oliver, that year, 1963, he started the year at second base in his rookie season. It was one of five years he played with the Dodgers. So my trivia to you, Jacob, is this. Nate Oliver, his Major League debut, came on opening day in 1963. He started at second base. He's one of only nine L.A. Dodgers to make their Major League debut with an opening day start. Who was the last one? Hmm. And my hint to you before we give this away later is he is the only one of the group in the actual Jacob era. Which is wild card era for listeners. Oh, yeah. Don't get that. Explain, but but even I I don't have the list up in front of me. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it's also the Jacob Life era. Oh, okay, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I'll, I'll I, talk more about this. I'm I'm eager to hear, it, but I have thoughts on the answer, but just on this trivia yeah. question in general. Um, yeah, and actually, I will tell you, uh, just going from memory, I don't have it up, but 
there is one other player who did this when you were alive. Oh, okay. Um, but I don't think, I don't think, uh, uh, bear, like almost a year old Jacob knew <laughs> this player. So I, will, I, I don't think you, you, you need to get him. But anyway, uh, Nate Oliver, his father, Jim played in the Negro leagues. He was a shortstop. There is a baseball field named after um, Jim Oliver in St. Petersburg. It's James Oliver Field. It was refurbished back in 20, or 2006 by the Rays. Um, Nate Oliver, he was born and grew up in St. Petersburg. That's where the Rays play, um, even though they're the Tampa Bay Devil, or not Devil Rays anymore, but <laughs> Rays. But he played high school ball at Gibbs High in St. Petersburg. St. Petersburg. Um, the Dodgers signed him in 1959. So he hit 329 at Great Falls. This was before like the year before they switched to like the current classification system of like triple a double a and all that um this was like class c but i was looking the dodgers had so many affiliates in 1960 it was like I, I, if i had to guess it's probably it was probably double a you know it might have been like a some level of high but there were so many affiliates like it's it's really hard to to peg exactly what level that is like by today's standards but um in the next two years he was at triple a he hit 292 combined in 1961 and 62. Those were his age 20 and 21 seasons. He hit 34 doubles in the second of those years. He was really good. So both Nate Oliver and Ken McMullen made the team as rookies in 1963. McMullen um, started at third base opening day, uh, Oliver at second. So McMullen had two stints with the Dodgers. He was part of the big Frank Howard, Claude Osteen trade with the Senators a few years later. McMullen was a Dodgers rewind back in June 2022. Um, Nate Oliver, uh, again, and Ken McMullen started at opening day 63. It gave the Dodgers two rookies on the opening day roster for the first time since 1950. So I found a, a UPI story that sort of mentioned this fact. Um, I was looking back at that team. So they didn't actually have two rookies in the starting lineup in 1950, but Bobby Morgan started at third base on opening day. I couldn't figure out who the second rookie was. I assume they meant on the roster, but if it was just someone who didn't start, but it might've been like pitcher um, Dan Bankhead um, who maybe was on the roster, but again, didn't start an opening day. So it's not quite the same, but um, UPI in 1963 described uh, spring training like this quote, the big project in Dodgers camp is rookie second baseman, Nate Oliver. If the Dodgers were weak anywhere last year, it was at second base. Um, they described the position as, quote, being handed to Oliver on a platter. Um, so the year before, 1962, Dodgers second baseman hit 229, 329, 301. Um, it was a mix of Jim Gilliam, who the Dodgers, who the Dodgers like would kind of move around a lot, wherever needed, and Larry Burwright. Um, Oliver, in 1963, singled in his first two at-bats on opening day against uh, Larry Jackson of the Cubs. Um, he started the first 22 games that season, but he was only hitting 218. His on-base and slugging were both below 300, not that anyone paid attention to that necessarily back then. So he only started 18 games the rest of the year, but he played a lot in reserve, and he also split time that year between the Dodgers and AAA Spokane again. So the Dodgers again turned to Gilliam at second base, even though he didn't start the year there. Gilliam's like 34 this year. He went through a few years like this where – Oh, I think I'm going to retire. And then I think, I can't remember if it was 65 or 66 where he actually had retired and he was going to be a coach. And then they're like, oh, we need you to play. So he ended up playing like the most of the year. Um, this is how Oliver described Gilliam later in an interview with Ed Adonacio in this great game. Quote, Junior Gilliam was essentially the manager on the field. 
He had no problem taking on that role. If a pitcher was in trouble out there or something was going awry, Gilliam would step up immediately and act as the manager. Um, and it's worth noting, Gilliam, um, before Fernando Valenzuela this coming year, um, uh, Gilliam's the only non-Hall of Famer to have his d- number retired by the Dodgers. And mm-hmm. that's how highly thought of he was um, in the organization, not only as a player, but also as a coach uh, later on. And I believe he was Walter O'Malley, the owner, uh, his favorite player. I'm sure that played into it. But uh, also he died um, right before the World Series in 1978. Um, and so... I think there was a lot of sort of reaction to that too, but he, he was just excellent, excellent player. Um, obviously had a huge influence on many people, including uh, Nate Oliver. I would say Oliver had an eventful five years or it was like a very good time to be a Dodger. Um, the Dodgers played in three world series in those years. He didn't play in 1963 or 65 in the world series, but he did appear briefly in 1966 uh, against the Orioles in game four. Um, down one nothing in the ninth inning. Um, he was a uh, pinch runner, uh, advanced to second base on a walk by Maury Wills, but then Dave McNally retired uh, Willie Davis and Lou Johnson to finish off the sweep. That was one of the all-time like crazy World Series. The Dodgers had won two of the previous three. I think they were favored. The Orioles had a really young rotation. They had like peak Koufax Drysdale. Um, the Dodgers in that World Series were shut out in the final three games. <laughs> they scored two total <laughs> runs, and that was in game one. They didn't score in the last 33 innings of the series. So um, that was sort of the backdrop there. But uh, we'll talk about the rest of uh, Nate Oliver's career uh, after the break. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. So Nate Oliver hit uh, 234, 296, 273 with a 69 OPS plus in 329 games over his five years with the Dodgers. Um he was traded to the Giants with a uh, future all-time hit-by-pitch leader Ron Hunt at the 1968 Winter Meetings uh, for all-star catcher Tom Haller. Um, Oliver played one year with the Giants, then he split 1969 with the Yankees and Cubs. Um, Leo DeRocher was the manager of that Cubs team. DeRocher was a coach with the Dodgers when um, he debuted in 63. Um, so in 410 Major League games, Oliver hit um, – 226, 283, 258 with a 63 OPS plus. I would say one thing uh, now that I, I definitely didn't appreciate growing up was um, I saw Oliver quite a bit when he managed the Class A Palm Springs Angels in 1990 and 1991. That was like my peak of going to see Class A baseball because it was right across the street from my high school. Um, and I, my friend Tom was a bat boy for a little bit. 
And uh, so I used to, you know, go see quite a few games there, but didn't realize at the time who Nate Oliver was or that he was a former Dodger. So I guess I, I didn't fully appreciate it at the time. Um, Oliver in 2006 was a bunting instructor for the White Sox. I believe that was his only year with them as a coach. I couldn't find other information on that. Um, baseball reference does not have bunt uh, or infield hits for when Oliver played, but he did have 16 sacrifice bunts in his seven-year career. That's the backdrop of for this story. Uh, former Dodgers third base coach Preston Gomez was profiled by Frank Lids at Sports Illustrated in 1982. Not not this this is not the person who started the, the hat store by the way just to clear that up <laughs> <laughs> but a chunk of the story was about various gomez tricks and decoys as a coach this is from the story uh one day with the dodgers he walked toward the plate uh squeeze on the next pitch gomez told batter nate oliver loud enough for san francisco catcher dick deets to hear the giant infield stayed deep oliver squeezed on the second pitch and the run scored i guess deets thought i was kidding says gomez um, there's only one problem with this. Unless it was an exhibition game, I don't think it actually happened. <laughs> um, for one, Oliver played with the Dodgers from 1963 to 1967. Uh, Dietz started his career in 1966, so there were only two years they could have played each other against each other as Dodgers and Giants. As a side note, Dick Dietz, uh, some of you may know, he is more famously known in Dodger circles as uh, being the guy to help extend Don Drysdale's scoreless streak uh, in 1968, uh, May 31st against the Giants, bases loaded, nobody out. Uh, Dodgers are up three nothing in the top of the ninth. Drysdale's streak is at 44 innings. He's trying for his fifth straight shutout. He hits Dietz with a 2-2 pitch that would have forced in a run, except home plate umpire Harry Wendelstead ruled that Dietz made no effort to get out of the way. He flew out one pitch later, and then Drysdale got the final two batters to extend his streak which uh, ended up going to 58 innings. Um, but back to Dietz and Oliver, they only played five games against one, each, uh, one another. Oliver never even batted with a runner on third base in those games. Um, going further, in Oliver's seven-year career, he only had one game in which he had both a sacrifice bunt and a run batted in. That came in 1964 in Houston. But the RBI came on a double in the second inning off Turk Farrell. That scored Tommy Davis from second. Um Gomez was not a Dodgers coach in 1964. <laughs> Leo DeRocher, the aforementioned, was LA's third base coach that year. And DeRocher would later manage Oliver in 1969 with the Cubs. So what I'm saying is, you know, sometimes, you know, double check on this stuff. But it's still a cool story. But <laughs> maybe it was an exhibition game. I, I Never to let it. Rule cool, man. It happened. So back to our um, story. So nine LA Dodgers, or trivia question, excuse me. Uh, nine LA Dodgers. Um, had their major league debut come on an opening day start. Uh -huh. um, who was the, the the last one? So I like this question a lot because yeah. I was surprised that there was that few. And yeah. then you think about it, guys, it kind of makes sense that, you know, like think of like James Outman, right? Like really close to his debut, but got his, those... his fifth major league game. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> he was sort of, I mean, I, he's not the, the full impetus of this because I believe when I started researching this, it was sort of before it became obvious that James Outman was going to make the roster. Uh -huh. So like that, but he's like the closest one to that. But like, yeah, um, you're right. Like it, it is, it's very rare. Like you, you mentioned, like, I'm sure some of the ones you're thinking of, like some of the rookies of the year, a lot of them debuted like the September before. And like, you know, they just, they didn't, it's hard coming out swinging uh, in the lineup day one. <laughs> like, so uh, I have two, two guesses. 
Yeah. And if both are wrong, I'll let you give me a hint or two, and then I'll take one sure. more guess. Sure, sure. Uh, Cody Bellinger. No, um, I I don't remember the exact date, but it was sometime in mid to late April in 2017 <laughs> when he came up. He counts. All right, then it's over. All right, Jock it, Peterson. Yeah, I, mm, no, he also debuted in 2014 in September. I believe famously. Uh, man, I don't remember uh, that. He had the, I believe that was the year where he and a few other Dodgers had to go at Wrigley Field and walk in full uniform to Starbucks to get everybody's <laughs> order. And uh, so that was, that was kind of fun. Um, so I'll give you the year. Um, it's 2008. Oh, and, I, and I'll tell you this person started because uh, two, the two players who are uh, going to play the position both got hurt very late in spring training. And, and the position was third base. Uh, um, uh, um, my other hint. Yeah. My other hint for you for this player. I'm, I'm looking up to make sure. Uh, oh, okay. I was going to say that wasn't the position he played the most, but it was the position he played the most that year. But I was. I will look up why I thought that because there might be a way to get out of this. So my last guess, Blake DeWitt. That's your that's your best guess because it's right. <laughs> um, so okay, the reason I think so he played every playoff game that year uh, for the Dodgers and uh, all of them at second base. So in, he he played during the season. Most of his time was at, at third by far. Um, but yeah, uh, and was that no, was, uh, was that Casey Andy, Blake that was hurt? No, they did. That was the year they acquired Casey. Okay, but, got uh, it. So it was um, Andy LaRoche uh, hurt his back, I believe. And then I think Nomar Garcia Parra was mm. sliding into third and got hurt. Um, I was looking back on this. It's, it's wild because, like, the few years before, it was like it was unheard of that Nomar Garcia Parra could play like anything but first because he was like so injury prone. And then they're like, no, he's going to be our third baseman now. And then he got hurt. <laughs> but but then he like played a decent amount. Like, what a weird time. Anyway, um, yeah. So uh, that's pretty good. So uh, a couple of the others. So the ones, the one that's also in the Jacob Life era, um, uh, Mike Ramsey, nineteen eighty seven center fielder. That was but not famously, a name coming ever being so guessed. <laughs> famously, though, he's one of two Mike Ramseys to play in the nineteen eighties for the Dodgers. <laughs> uh, so this is let me just look this up um, the other one is an infielder um, uh, maybe possibly more known as white Mike Ramsey this one is black Mike Ramsey who played in center field only one year for the Dodgers 1987 um, never played in the majors again after that he had a 57 OPS plus um, However, he did go two for four in that first game with a run and an RBI. Um, the in 1985, Mariano Duncan. Um, it's a lot. So Ken McMullen, I think, must have debuted prior to his 1963. But I do remember one of my favorite Ken McMullen facts. Who I'm sure I brought this up on his Dodgers Rewind was um, if you look at like the history of Dodgers opening day starters, um, there's like Ken McMullen 1963 that he didn't start for them. And then he, he goes off to the Senators, and then he eventually comes back. And then he starts again at third base in 1973, and that's it. That's the only two times he started an opening day for the Dodgers. But um, Jim Gilliam, the aforementioned, he also uh, started opening day in 1953. But you have to consider, too, that that was um, 
he had previous experience in the Negro League, so it wasn't like he was coming in totally green. Uh, I'm looking through this list. Oh, oh wow. I, I don't remember if we did a Dodger Rewind on this, but Dick Whitman, a.k.a. Don Draper, apparently, <laughs> uh, 1946 for Brooklyn. It was The war was a strange act. Oh, man. So, the, okay, speak, yeah, the war. 1946 for Brooklyn on opening day, April 16th. Uh, one, two, three, four. Four Dodgers made their Major League debut in the opening day lineup. Uh, <laughs> it was Dick Whitman, uh, Jack Graham, Carl Farillo, who you, you people know, and Farrell Anderson. Um, oh, okay, another one on this list. Uh, Gene Mock, uh, future manager. He debuted for the Dodgers on opening day in 1944. He was a shortstop. Ernie Coy is a previous Dodgers Rewind. Um, yeah, Bernie Neese was also a previous Dodgers Rewind way back in 1920. That's not when we did the Rewind. That's when he, he debuted. But yeah, there, that's, a, that's a fun list. I'm looking. Uh, uh, so a couple names I'm going to point out. Uh, one, yep. you missed the best name on the list, which is Binky Jones. Oh, I did miss that. You're right. <laughs> uh, who had a career OPS plus of negative 34. Oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> uh, not much of it. And what's interesting is um, Willie Keeler is listed as on this list, but he has a game and oh. for the is are this like a? So I believe it's because the search only goes back to 1901. Okay, so anyone who so played was, before that, they're just like, yeah, we don't recognize. So their first, here. okay, so it's yeah, yeah his first post 1900 was with Brooklyn. Okay, that makes sense. So there you go. I see. Okay. Yeah. All right, so so back. Let's wrap up Nate Oliver here. Um, this is again from that interview with the great game uh, with Nate Oliver. This is what he had to say about those Dodgers teams that reached three World Series in four years. They won two. Uh, quote: The Dodgers were known uh, around the league as a very arrogant team at that time. People said they were very conceited, but that wasn't it. Wasn't that at all? Uh, they were just really confident, and people misinterpreted that as arrogance. Um, it was instilled in them from the first day in the organization and the people who played there respected the tradition and fostered it every year. There was only one goal and that was to get to the world series. Everything else was second best. So, um, you know, Nate Oliver, who you might not, not a lot of Dodger fans might know about had a pretty, um, unique career, like starting on opening day as a rookie, that's pretty rare. So that's, that's why I want to talk about him, but yeah, that's it. That's, that's the sort of nature of this, um, for those of you who used to listen to us on the True Blue LA feed, we'll do these every once in a while, like a, a little look back. They're shorter episodes, but hopefully you enjoy them. A little taste of Dodgers history. Uh, but that's today. Uh, Nate Oliver, uh, thank you for listening, everybody. And we'll be back with you with another episode uh, next week. Thanks for listening. Thanks.